0: If you're wondering why I've spent so much time on the fig tree passages, it's because I'm using the Olivet Discourse as my jumping off point to discuss postmillennialism. It was the main passage that changed my thinking on eschatology and there's a lot of misunderstanding surrounding it or at least there isn't enough attention paid to the preterist reading of it. And in the Olivet Discourse Jesus mentions the fig tree. So I thought it would be beneficial to survey the use of the fig tree language throughout scripture which happens to be quite extensive. So having these passages and meanings in the background of our mind will help us better understand what Jesus means when He says, now learn the parable of the fig tree. Okay, Jesus refers to the parable of the fig tree in all three synoptic accounts of the Olivet Discourse, and after extensively describing the events leading up to the destruction of the temple, Jesus says this in Matthew and Mark. Now learn this parable from the fig tree. When its branch has already become tender and puts forth leaves, you know that summer is near. So you also, when you see these things happening, know that it is near at the doors. Assuredly, I say to you, this generation will by no means pass away till all these things take place. And then he says, as in Luke from the Olivet Discourse, then he spoke to them a parable Look at the fig tree and all the trees. When they are already budding, you see and know for yourselves that summer is now near. So you also, when you see these things happening, know that the kingdom of God is near. Surely I say to you, this generation will by no means pass away till all these things take place. Okay, so the most immediate meaning in this passage is quite simple. Just as budding leaves on a fig tree or trees generally indicate the arrival of a new season. And so, too, the events Jesus just talked about indicate the arrival of a new kingdom. Easy day. And he follows it up by saying his hearers would see all of it. That's not so easy. Everyone except postmillennialists and amillennialists take this to be something other than what it is. We believe that those people actually saw these things take place. What things is he talking about? The stars falling out of the sky, the great tribulation, increasing wickedness, the coming of the sun, all of these things they saw. We've talked about some of them and we'll explore more of them in the future. But whether you're a preterist or a futurist, everyone agrees that these things signal the end of some age and the arrival of a new age. And as I've demonstrated previously, there is more exegetical and biblical reinforcement to read this as the end of the old covenant age and the arrival of the new covenant age. So learn the parable from the fig tree. Budding leaves means the turning of seasons. The tribulation and destruction of Jerusalem means the turning of ages. This is the same thing taught in the previous use of fig tree language in Jesus' other parables about fig trees and vineyards and the lesson he taught after the withered fig tree. It's all the same thing. So Jesus is saying these things serve as signs of the end and the old covenant era and the bringing in of the new covenant kingdom of God. But what is interesting is that he follows it up with several teachings warning his hearers to be wise now why would he do this because nobody knows the day or hour is what he says it's an interesting pairing of teachings because in one instance he is saying that these signs serve to tell you that the time is near then in another one he says nobody knows the day or the hour so how do we affirm both of these well it's a question for every school of thought. This isn't unique to post We have to figure out how to affirm both of them no matter what school you're part of. Here's my harmonization. Nobody knew the exact time, but they would know that the time is arriving when they saw the things he described. These things weren't going to happen for another 36 to 40 years, and they didn't know that. They knew that it was soon. They knew that it was within their lifetimes, but they didn't know the exact hour and day. So the parable of the fig tree is to indicate that people would know the hour once the hour began to arrive. Another way to think about this, this would be to think of tumbleweeds in westerns. In western film, when we see two cowboys standing opposite of each other with pistols in their holsters, and the people of the town shutting their doors and clearing the streets, and we see tumbleweed roll across the screen, we know that a shootout is about to happen. But going into the western movie, we don't know the exact time that this shootout is going to happen, except for the few moments leading up to it. The signs in the Olivet Discourse, the budding leaves on the fig tree, are tumbleweeds in western movies. In Mark and Luke, immediately after Jesus warns his hearers to be watchful, the plot to kill Jesus is set in motion, and we have the Last Supper narratives. But in Matthew, we have several more parables on the importance of being faithful and watchful and waiting on the coming of the Son of Man. And toward the end of Matthew 25, we have something which seems to be more of a final judgment coming of the Son of Man, rather than an immediate judgment on Jerusalem, so this Does take place. Well, how can this be? Haven't I been arguing that the coming of the sun was about judgment on Jerusalem? Yes, I I have, because that's what the text says. But when the text indicates that a final judgment is happening and associates it with the coming of the sun, we just say that it's both. We don't mutually exclude them from each other. We don't flatten it out to being only a preterist understanding, only a futurist understanding. We say, well, the text seems to indicate both, so we're going to indicate both. We're going to believe that it's both. It's a mistake to flatten it out one way or the other. In fact, I think we can think of many comings of the sun in judgment throughout history, including Old Testament history, or we could say the coming of the Lord, the day of the Lord, several times throughout history, but I'll leave that for another episode. Now, one of the reasons that Christians have such a visceral reaction to preterist readings is because of how much weight they've placed on these being watchful for the coming of the sun passages, particularly the parable of the wise and foolish virgins, trimming their lamps, filling it with oil, and and waiting for the immediate arrival of the sun. being prepared. American evangelicalism and revivalism got a lot of juice out of terrifying their listeners into thinking Jesus could come back any minute, because you don't want to be drunk in a ditch when Jesus comes back, so repent and be watchful. No doubt this can be an effective way of terrifying people into repentance, and we should be faithful and should be alert in waiting for the Son of Man in his final coming, but I'm not convinced we appreciate the immediacy of these parables to Jesus' hearers. Everything we've gone over and will go over are specific teachings for the hearers of his day, of events that would happen soon to them, and that when they saw the fig tree putting forth leaves in such events as the armies surrounding Jerusalem, it was time to flee Judea. In Luke, Jesus warns them of this specifically. But when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, then know that its desolation is near. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let those who are in the midst of her depart, and let not Those who are in the country enter her. For these are the days of vengeance, that all things which are written may be fulfilled. But woe to those who are pregnant, and to those who are nursing babies in those days, for there will be great distress in the land and wrath upon this people, and they will fall by the edge of the sword, and be led away captive into all nations. And Jerusalem will be trampled by Gentiles until the time of the Gentiles are fulfilled. So Jesus is saying, Be watchful. When you see these things, I'm coming in judgment. You need to flee when you see them. You can't flee if you're not paying attention, if you're not being watchful. The wrath of the coming son is indicated by these things that Jesus is explicitly telling us are going to happen, like the surrounding of Jerusalem in these armies. In the apocalypse of John, he hears this voice from heaven, likely Jesus, warning people to leave Jerusalem again. Come out of her, my people, lest you share in her sins and lest you receive of her plagues. I view Jesus parables about watchfulness as syncing up with these other warnings about the coming of the sun and judgment on Jerusalem through the Roman armies. I'm also convinced that the selling of property in Jerusalem in Acts 2 also has this in mind. So Jesus's parables on being watchful were profoundly and practically relevant to the people that were listening to them, not only saving them spiritually, but physically as well. This is hard for dispensationalists and premillennialists to accept because they have such a strong attachment to this idea of the soon coming Christ as this spur to holiness and alertness. And so they think that a preterist reading diminishes the need to be holy and alert. But I don't think we have to do violence to the text to retain spurs to holiness and alertness. Because at any moment, any one of us could die and be with the Lord. The sun is coming for all of us within our lifetimes. We are all going to die and we don't know when we are going to die. And when we die, then comes judgment. At the resurrection. So I see no harm done to this form of piety except for removing a deficient reading of the text and eliminating something that has been a cause of embarrassment for Christians for a very long time the repeated failed predictions of the soon coming sun. There are other detrimental consequences to a dispensational and premillennial soon coming sun mentality. It really fosters a lot of effeminacy and cowardice and abdication of responsibility, but I'll save that for another episode. And given other passages about what is supposed to happen in the kingdom, it's likely Jesus is not going to return soon in final judgment. And yet you individually may die at any moment. So Christians still must be alert and watchful and live holy lives because man is appointed to die. And after that comes judgment. We ought to fear the judgment of the son and use it as a means to instill fear into others. And we see Jonathan Edwards, his sinners in the hands of an angry God, as a good example of this. He terrified his listeners into repentance by a healing to god's wrath and the possibility that they may die at any moment and be crushed in hell that is a real possibility and he didn't appeal to the surprise coming of the sun at any moment i mean he's a post-millennialist right so he doesn't believe in the rapture he doesn't believe in this immediate coming so i think we ought to let these traditions go that aren't necessarily man-made i could be mean and just say they're man-made but i'll say they're born out of a deficient reading of the text in another episode i'll explain how we can more biblically hasten the day okay So we've gone over the immediate parable of the fig tree and the Olivet Discourse. The leaves were signs of the soon coming son who would judge Israel. If we bring the whole of scripture to this moment, I think we can say a few more things. In Jesus's earthly ministry, he came as a king on a donkey. He saw leaves on the fig tree and cursed it for not bearing fruit. He saw no fruit in the temple and he cleared it. In the Olivet Discourse and Revelation, Jesus is teaching about his heavenly ministry as king. Jesus came on a war horse and saw the leaves on Israel and once again There was no fruit, and so he curses Israel and destroys their temple. He also came from east to west into Jerusalem on the donkey and in his evaluation on the fig tree. King Jesus also comes from east to west through the Roman armies using the same route. For as the lightning comes from the east and shines as far as the west, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. King David came on his war horse for Nabal, but found fruit by the hand of Abigail to assuage his wrath. King Jesus comes on his war horse for the Nabals of Jerusalem, but he finds no Abba to offer him fruit. In Jeremiah 24, there are baskets of good fruit and baskets of bad fruit set before the temple. These represent the faithful and unfaithful people of God. The bad fig fruit is destroyed. The good fig fruit is sent away. This happened in the Babylonian captivity. It happened again in the first century. On the other end of this is the redemptive aspect, the bride and her bridegroom the church and Christ. This too is another already not yet aspect of eschatology. But scripture shows that there is union with the church and Christ right now, and that there also will be ultimate consummation at the final resurrection. This initial coming together is signaled by a fruitful fig tree and the changing of seasons in the Song of Solomon chapter 2. My beloved King Solomon spoke and said to me, rise up my love, my fair one, and come my way. For lo, the winter is past, the rain is over and gone, the flowers appear on the earth the time of singing has come and the voice of the turtle dove is heard in our land the fig tree puts forth her green figs and the vines with her tender grapes give a good smell rise up my love my fair one and come my way The Song of Solomon has all kinds of horticultural language relevant to Christ and his church, but here we see green figs on the fig tree paired with the union of the bride and the bridegroom. And I think we can say the same of Christ coming for his bride in the inauguration of his kingdom in the first century. It is only one way of describing redemptive history, and it certainly is not fulfilled in its entirety. We are still waiting for the final consummation, and yet we are still united to Christ in faith, in baptism as a body, his body, his bride. And so just as the season changes, indicated by Christ in the Olivet Discourse signaled his new covenant kingdom, where he is united to his bride in an initial sense, so too the Song of Solomon figures this. This concludes our survey of the fig tree from a postmillennial typological partial preterist viewpoint. In future episodes, we will go over other phrases in the Olivet Discourse and various other issues related to postmillennialism, such as the effeminate culture premillennialism and dispensationalism creates. I know it's Advent, but have a Merry Christmas.